0: And, uh, you know, like, uh, what was the transition from going from Holden to Goodyear Tyres?
1: Yep, so the, the second role I had, so I worked at, at Holden for, for 10 years to the day. On my 10th year anniversary, I mm. took off, mm. which was a bit of a bit of a plan. Uh, and I went to Goodyear Tyres. So the opportunity at Goodyear was to be a marketing manager there. That was a, a strictly marketing role. Mm. And I think from a marketing point of view, I learned pretty quickly that, you um, developing campaigns for emotive products like the VAU for example and we had Colorado at the time just before I left mm. and then marketing these black round rubber things that mm. people yeah. don't want to buy yeah. like it's such a grudge purchase mm. um I was a bit of a shock to the system and I you know looking back I'm like mm. man maybe I should have stayed maybe I should have um stayed with what I knew but at that stage I had been with the business for 10 years so for me it was like let's let's try something else so um, I went to goodyear as the marketing manager there that was uh, interesting from a dealer point of view so they the franchise well the network there is not a, a dealer as such it's a franchise network so it's a little bit different to how that works mm. um, and was very wasn't very sophisticated I guess mm. would be the way mm. I would describe it um, Car dealers and especially the success successful ones had a lot of systems in place mm. a lot of their own marketing systems but also from a sales point of view, they were quite sophisticated, but in my experience with, with good use, it was a bit like that. It was a bit like, um, you know, a mum and dad tire shop and the mm. guy that used to fit the tires, he stays there for 20 years and then he becomes a manager. Mm. Um, they didn't really understand what marketing was about. It was more sales incentives. That's how they drove their, their sales. So, mm. I found it, to be honest, I found it a bit frustrating there because I couldn't really, all the experience that I gained with um, some great partnerships and some great mentors and agencies Mm. at Holden, I couldn't really put that in place at Goodyear. Mm. And like I said, you know, no one likes, I hate buying tires because it's just an Mm. expense that I don't want. Mm. Um, It doesn't, to me personally, I don't really care if they're a good brand or not a good brand. Now that's different from a motorcycle because I definitely Mm. want good tires on my motorbike. Mm. But, you know, for my car, not overly passionate about it. So I found that very challenging in not Mm. only um, business to consumer marketing, but also business to business because Mm. you pitch ideas to a, uh, like a dealer council or a franchisees council, which has members across the, across the country. Mm. And you're trying to tell them, you know, we want to be on radio because we think we're going to hit this, many people mm. they might say why don't listen to that radio station mm. understand you don't listen to that radio station but 80 percent of your whatever 50 percent of your customers do so we mm. should be on there to tell them to come mm. to you mm. um so yeah that was that was pretty challenging and yeah that level of sophistication was a quite interesting um quite interesting experience
0: yeah and i think that you know like tires are you know like one of the most crucial parts of a car and a motorcycle as well. But, you know, like they are quite overlooked because if you see, you know, like all these top speed run and test records, like all of these world records won't be there if the tire was not good enough to sustain that speed and all. So I think that, you know, like they kind of get overshadowed by the whole vehicle.
1: 100%, 100%. You know, I think Goodyear did have some um, good sponsorship opportunities. Again, with supercars, that, business also looked after so a Goodyear tire a Dunlop tire and you know different they had different franchise models as well so they did cover a lot of um, the scope but a lot of that research was done in the US so we would just physically get the tires and, and have to promote them and, and sell them in Australia rather than you know do a press launch for either bikes or cars and you know have our own local content so that was a bit frustrating yeah.
0: Now, you know, like, since you have seen Goodyear tires from inside out, you know, like, what do you think makes them the second best, man- second best tire manufacturer in the world? What is the thing that they do?
1: That's an interesting question. And I think it probably doesn't relate to what they do in Australia. But I know in the US, they, they're very integrated into the core of people's awareness. Mm. I think that's, you know, they, they brand themselves quite well. And they brand themselves as a, as a performance tire that is also affordable. It's mm. not, you know, a Pirelli or something that's super expensive where you you know or you have an expectation of what you're going to get mm. with those tires and the cost associated with them. And I find that's the same with motorbikes as well. Mm. But I, I find that they do a great job of branding and a great job of, of awareness. And I don't know the stats, but I'd imagine, particularly in Australia, if you ask someone to name, you know, Three brands, you're gonna get Goodyear as one
0: of those. Yeah, and I think that you know the reason for Goodyear success, uh, Goodyear tires success might be that you know they make cars, uh, they make tires from normal cars to supercars as well. You know, from for a full range, and they are not you know like very niche like Pirelli, who make tires for just supercars and you know like high performance products.
1: Yeah, well, they use that experience, and it's it it is a good. Um, Slow down. I know, you know, from a motorcycle point of view, Aprilia really are quite good at that. They yeah. use everything they use from their MotoGP tests and MotoGP yeah. racing, and feed that into their motorcycles. And you know, I feel like that's the same thing when you can test in a high-performance environment and roll that down um, to a, a lower-cost alternative. Yeah. You know, that that's a great advantage that you can have.
0: Yeah. And after Goodyear tires, you know, like what made you go into the world of motorcycles with Triumph? Oh,
1: exciting! Just, just mm. excitement. So, so for me, I had a few years in between um, where I did some other things, like I owned a gym and, and did some some different things. But the opportunity came up to work with motorcycles, and I haven't really even ridden a motorcycle properly since mm. I was a kid back in back in my country town. So, for me, it was like, you know, motorcycles are exciting. They're emotive. Mm. Mm. Um, they're almost a selfish. Purchase in Australia because you don't really need a motorbike, but you mm. want a motorbike. Mm. Um, so, from that point of view, you know, that sparked my interest because now I can market to emotive people again. Now I can look at different ways to influence people on the different brands that I get to work with. Mm. But also, you know, at any event that we had, people would just come up and talk to you about their experiences. And if you've got, if your customers have that passion, it mm-hmm. makes it easier to market, but just so many different ways you can you can reach them and mm-hmm. talk to them in different ways. So as a marketer, for me, that was really exciting.
0: Yeah. And Triumph, of course, you know, like one of the greatest brands in the world when it comes to, you know, like quality in the world of motorcycles. I have not, you know, like seen many manufacturers who make such high quality motorcycles.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, man. I was, and I still am super impressed with, triumph motorcycles branding the parent company in the uk i've been lucky enough to be there a few uh, go over there a few times Mm. uh, as part of um, the marketing function and work with marketing managers around the world Mm. to collaborate on ideas and and launches and super impressed like um, they are sophisticated Mm. i'm not sure in australia from a dealer point of view our dealers have caught up to that yet but these guys are super cutting edge in terms of um the systems they're putting in place you know in terms of e-commerce in terms of how they do their launches in terms of their um product quality and the way they roll it out around the world too so i was really really I'll, i'll be honest i was surprised but after working with them for five years um you know they're up there with some premium car companies in terms of their um, the sales team, the marketing team and, and how they go to market. So I'm super impressed.
0: Yeah. For example, here in India, you know, we have the street triple. So it is such an awesome bike, you know. Like, for example, we have the Japanese manufacturers who are competing with it. But what the thing with Japanese manufacturers is that they cost cut. So they do yeah. so they use cheaper materials. They don't, you know, like they don't give as attractive as technology offers, as Triumph gives on their motorcycle. And that ultimately gives Triumph an edge over them. So you know, like everyone goes for Triumph because of you know the top-notch quality. They expect you know like we can get a Lamborghini, Ferrari level of uh, technology just, just in a you know like a bike of Triumph from a bike of Triumph.
1: Absolutely, you and know, I ride a Street Triple, and I love it. It's my favorite, my favorite bike. It probably be close to maybe an Aprilia Tuono in terms of mm-hmm. my favorite of the bikes that I've been lucky enough to ride, but. But, you know, I I own one. I love it. I love it on the track. Um, Mm. Super, super great bike in terms of uh, how dynamic it is. And like you said, and that build quality just, to me, sets it above.
0: Exactly, exactly. And the Triumph Tiger is, you know, like, has a huge fan base in India since, you know, like, we have a lot of adventurers here. So, the Triumph Tiger is literally, I have seen, you know, like, built like a tank. I think you know, like once there was a video which was you know like going viral in India. So what ultimately happened was that a Triumph 800 was involved with an accident with a car, and the car was completely damaged, but the Triumph had barely any scratches. And you know, yeah, like it yeah. left people surprising that wow, what is you know like the absolute best in terms of build quality and technology?
1: Absolutely, and there's a story from a journalist here, and I won't get him into trouble, but. He um, he borrowed a bike from us to do a a trip with that that he was going to comment on and write on in in his publication, and he's in the middle of the bush hits a kangaroo comes off like you know the bike doesn't explode but the kangaroo exploded and the bike wasn't uh, wasn't the best but you know he, he got his toolkit out he managed to patch yeah. it up he ended yeah. up riding that bike another two thousand kilometers. <laughs> After that, before he could get to, you know, a proper mechanic to have a look at it. So, you know, that's his story uh, that's probably, it's at least 10 years old now, but it always comes out when we have media launches and stuff. And, you know, sometimes it's those stories outside Mm -hmm. of, you know, what you do on a test or what you do in a controlled environment, like a launch Mm -hmm. that really helps the legend of brands like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, another great bike, really, really durable and really up there in terms of the top end of of that market.
0: For sure, for sure. And, you know, like, can you explain how a product launch takes place? Like, from the setting up of the location to calling the journalists and things like that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, Triumph in the UK usually run their own press launches for, for Europe and they will set that up and just go to a beautifully exotic location like... Portugal or somewhere like that and invite the journalists in Australia. We're a little bit further away. So we don't get to go. Mm. Uh, I know the marketing manager from, from India gets to go to some some launches. So she's pretty mm. lucky, mm. Uh, but we don't, but we get to do our own here. So, mm. uh, and, and I must say from a triumph point of view, they're pretty liberal in terms of what we can do in a product launch. They don't say, um, here is the product, you must do this. Don't, you know, don't Mm. go over Mm. 500 kilometers. Make sure it's on this kind of um, environment. They say, here is the bike, off you go. So part of my role was to um, make up those product launches. So basically what I'll do, whether it's an adventure bike or a a road bike, let's find a cool place to go. In Victoria, it's quite cold, so I like to head up north where it's uh, nice and warm. Mm. I'll go and do a recce, so I'll jump on a bike, usually with someone else, and mm. we'll just go do 2,000 kilometers in three days. Mm. Map all the waypoints out, map all the timing out, mm. and then invite our journo's. Depending on how many bikes we have, I think back in the day, um, you know, you could get 10 or 12 or 15 people
0: mm. on
1: a launch. Uh, in the last couple of years, we've kind of dwindled that down to about eight. But maybe you do two waves. Mm. You do, you know, you do one loop around and then take a day off, and then and do the next lot of journos. And even from a journo point of view, it wasn't a blanket invite. Um, we don't have a lot of really qualified journalists in yeah. Australia, so you'd probably find that on any launch for any brand, there's probably six or seven guys that are on every single launch because yeah. you know they're the best in the business. And then yeah. you can choose different people. You know, If you're on an adventure bike, you're obviously going to choose someone who rides for a adventure mag or a four wheel or a four by four. Mm. If we've got a a bike like a speed triple at the track, you know, we want guys that are fast that know what they're doing. Mm. You know, we don't want someone just to come and scoot around and and not have him get impressive photos and stuff like that. So from that point of view, um the business would uh arrange the content. So it's not Mm. like the journo would come with his own photographer. Mm. Um, We'd we'd arrange a photographer and a video person or a drone person or whoever we want to use. Yeah, And then we run, run it ourselves. So um, that was super fun. Like, I think, have to be honest, the recce was probably more fun mm. than the launches because it's usually just one or two people and you can mm. go do silly things and you can't do that when you've got six or seven people that you need mm. to bring back in one piece. Mm. Um, but from my point of view, in being with that business and not really having ridden motorcycles much, mm. to do track days, um, to get out, and that really gave me an opportunity to build my skills probably a lot faster than I would if I just rode a
0: myself. Yeah. And I think that, you know, like it's awesome when, you know, like companies don't limit journalists to, you know, like doing some things that, for example, you said that, you know, like they don't tell journalists to don't ride over four or 500 kilometers or anything. They tell them to you know, like ride it in whatever way possible, just not, you know, like damage the bike. And I think that yeah, you know, like, I it just proves that, you know, like they can ride the bike in whatever they want and the product will last.
1: Yeah, and there's there's two ways of doing it in Australia. Usually, we'll do a, a launch where we have all these people on board, uh, and then we'll lend them a bike afterwards. So if they want to go do something else, yeah. that's fine. But but I've found in my experience that um, trying, for example, they might only their launch might only be 200 kilometers. You know, they'll have 20 people or 25 people. So you imagine different photo points and catering and things like that. You know, you only ride for 45 minutes. You've got to stop, get photos. You need to get photos for 25 people. It's going to take an hour. So for us in Australia, if we've only got, say, 10 people, photo point might only take 15 minutes. So we would, some of our launches would be a 1,000 kilometers over three days. So the guys really got an opportunity to really test the bikes out. And we sort of took pride in doing things a little bit differently. Like we took the Boba Black, for example, to a drag strip. That was part of the launch. Yeah. Went and did drag drag strip runs. Um, when we did Aprilia bikes, we went to Phillip Island, the iconic uh, race circuit, and got the guys to, to go around there. And, you know, I track day for those guys, the rest of the track's completely empty. So you've got the whole track to yourself yeah. uh, for as long as you can, you know, yeah. ride without passing out, because it's hot and, and hard and mentally draining, but... Yeah. Um, you know, we really wanted to give them great experiences. And beyond that, you know, you, you stay at nice places, you eat nice nice food. Yeah. So, you
0: know,
1: a launch was really a, a pretty big deal and a VIP experience.
0: Yeah. And, you know, like, what do you think that Triumph does, you know, like, right? That makes them the best manufacturer, you know, to ever come out of UK probably?
1: I just think they, they invest in R&D. Yeah. Um, you know, and they're different to a, a business like Aprilia that gets a lot of their R&D from their, like I said, from their GP experience and their racing mm. experience. Mm. Find that triumph, do a lot of R&D. They do a lot of customer research. Mm. Um, what they do from a digital standpoint is is really quite advanced as well. Mm. Um, so that's really good. And, mm. and I think from that point of view, they just have that experience to be able to to roll that out
0: Hmm. and you know like what were the new things when you learned when you transitioned from the car industry to the motorcycle industry
1: yeah again again around the the franchise network or the dealer network was quite different and in australia we're finding that unless you're a sophisticated dealer you're not going to be around for very long and you know that's like car dealers as well so probably in the last 15 years, a lot of those mum and dad shops, so that are just, you know, shops in a small town, they carry every brand, um, they're kind of disappearing as the more sophisticated dealers that, you know, control the trade-in market, control the secondhand market, yeah. uh, are good marketers and are good at uh, CRM and, and customer relationships. They're the ones that, that succeed. So I think that is a definite thing that's happening in the, in the Australian market. Um, but yeah, it, it's not that dissimilar from a car brand in mm-hmm. terms of dealing with the the OEMs. Mm-hmm. Um, there's different levels of, of sophistication there as well. And then you know, Triumph is UK based. Aprilia made a good see Vespa is is Italian based. So from a yeah. cultural point of view, they um, they handle things in a different way, and just you can see the cultural way that they manage things and the sophistication. I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, Modaguucci is, is a great, is a great authentic old brand they're celebrating their hundred years today. Um, mm. Their plan is very basic you know I've been lucky enough to go to Mandela and, and see it and it's it's not technologically advanced, which doesn't mean they don't make great bikes mm. because it's all handcrafted mm. but it's just a different approach. Yeah.